Well, anyway, we are we are now recording. Oh, okay, all right. Hey, what's going on there, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. Eric Nemchak with you here alongside Stephen Trinkwald. Stephen, we are discussing some playoff scenarios today. Yeah, we are going to preview. I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, due to scheduling and, and other things. Uh, so we will preview the first round game between Chicago and Dallas today and then come out with the second episode later on in the week to talk about whatever the uh, the second matchup ends up being. Because we don't we don't actually know. We don't know now. Um, I'm sure by the time people are listening to this, they'll know, and they'll wonder why we don't know. But, you know, we're just <laughs> recording a little early due to scheduling. So, um, yeah, let's get to it. It'll be a 6-7 matchup between the Sky and the Wings. And uh, a true 6-7 matchup, really. The, the Sky are sixth in net rating at 2.5. Dallas seventh in net rating at negative 0.9. Really kind of a tailspin for Dallas in terms of their net rating and, and where they were. You know, they were kind of uh, playing above their record for the first half of the year. And uh, it's it's been a real struggle since then, I, I would say. A negative 6.9 net rating since the break for Dallas. So the Sky are, they're seventh in offense, sixth in defense. Dallas is sixth in offense, despite, you know, they were hanging around the top four, third or fourth in offense for most of the, the season here, but things have not been as good for them lately. And then they are eighth in defense, not not particularly good on that end. I mean, let's just start, you know, how are you feeling as a Sky fan? Not great, um, but my team just got smacked by like 30-something points at home, so I, I don't see how I can feel that good. But uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be an interesting game. Like you said, uh, Two evenly matched teams from the uh, analytical perspective. Definitely a true 6-7 matchup. Two kind of mediocre teams, right? Um, Dallas won the season series two games to one, but you kind of got the feeling that any of those games, except for maybe the first one, which Chicago won fairly easily, could have gone either way. Yeah, and the series uh, per 100 possessions kind of reflect that 108.3 offensive rating for Dallas over the three games and 106.6 for Chicago. Um, so pretty evenly matched. It's not like, you know, this was a two and one series where one team just had, you know, like a 90 something offensive rating uh, and the other team was, was really good. And both of these teams, obviously, you know, 10 out of the 12 teams play Sunday, including these two. So they'll be going into it with uh, plenty of rest, although there are still definitely some injury questions going into this one. Yeah, we've got some injuries here to report. Uh, Steph Dolson for this guy was a late scratch against the uh, Las Vegas Aces recently uh, due to a knee injury. We don't know the specifics because that's the WNBA. They don't give specifics, really. Um, and then for Dallas, there's a host of stuff. Like, Satu Sabali has been dealing with that Achilles injury, um, just a sore Achilles, apparently. You know, she recently came back and, and sat out the next game. Uh, so we hope to see her for this playoff game. I think it'd be a real bummer if she didn't get to play. Then, of course, Mariah Jefferson dealing with a hamstring injury. Isabel Harrison, um, we hope she's good. She recently, uh, you know, came back from COVID. Or we think she's she's out of the protocols, right? Or is she? Well, she is still questionable for okay. Sunday's game. Obviously, that will have happened by the time this, this releases. And, and the other good news, I guess, is Sabley is probable for that game as, as well as Jefferson. So... It yeah. looks like things are kind of turning around for an injury perspective for this team. And then and then the Dallas Wings, their most recent injury report, say Bella Allery is probable with a knee injury. That's the first time I've heard of this, but it doesn't sound like it's too serious. So hopefully by uh, by next Thursday's game, we'll have uh, two fully healthy teams and, uh, and a good matchup ready to go. 
Yeah, so let's get into it. We'll, we'll start on the Chicago side. Like, where do you think Chicago can, you know, what are their strengths? Where where can they kind of punish this Wings team? Um, I think this is, this is you know, I, I was looking at the, um, the box scores for the three times these two teams played. And I think the Sky w- would be in a better position if they're able to establish a faster tempo. I don't know how much you put into the actual pace statistic because there's there's a lot of other numbers that really go into that statistic. But um, the one game that Chicago won it was significantly faster. It was about 87 possessions, um, whereas the two games that Dallas won, they were in the high 70s as far as possessions are concerned. Granted, in the first game, um, there are a lot more total turnovers. So I think if Chicago has a good chance to win this game, it's going to be through being aggressive defensively, um, looking to speed up the pace of the game, not getting too deep into the shot clock, and cleaning up on the offense or cleaning up cleaning up on the defensive glass. Rather, you, I don't think you can afford to get out rebounded by this Wings team if you're this guy. So if you control the rebounding game, then you can control the tempo and kind of just push the ball with the athletes on the perimeter. Yeah, a couple of things to add off off of that. This is not a great transition defense for Dallas. They are uh, second worst in defensive transition frequency. So they just let their opponents get out in the open court a ton. And, you know, obviously that that's where Chicago's at their best, right? So if they yeah. can, like you say, uh, and Dallas also is a very good offensive rebounding team. I think somewhat surprisingly, if you just look at their personnel, but they are second in the offense, uh, second in the league in offensive rebounding. So if Dallas can just get stops and, you know, finish those plays defensively with the defensive glass, Dallas statistically is the third best in transition defense efficiency, but, you know, you still want to take those opportunities because being, you know, the third best defensive team in transition is still, you know, you're just going to score at a lot higher rate than playing in, in the uh, the half court all the time. Um, and, you know, that's just what, Dal- I mean, Chicago's good players are, are good at, right? Whether it's Parker just with the, the outlet passes or, you know, those, you know, I feel like, DeShields and Copper are kind of the ones that you think about as as transition uh, forces, but Ali Quigley is a great transition player in Aurora right. as well. Like all three of them can just really kill you in transition in, in different ways. So um, that that's obviously for me going to be kind of the most important thing for if Chicago can get out in the open court. Now, one thing you said that I find interesting is that Dallas is a very good offensive rebounding team, but they give up a lot of transition opportunities. Do you think there's like a, do you think there's a link there between you know, maybe sending more players to the offensive glass and, and sacrificing your transition defense? Yeah, for sure. There, there's always going to be kind of like a direct correlation. It's very rare that you can be, uh, unless you just have that kind of one dominant offensive rebounder. And for, Which they don't. So. Yeah, for Dallas, it's definitely more of like a collective effort. The wings are a lot more involved, more so than, than their bigs too. Um, so yeah, that's definitely kind of a philosophical approach. You know, one that I maybe don't agree with, but they are, you know, Connecticut, for example, they're their offensive rebounding is coming from their, you know, whatever big it is down low. Uh, and their guards are still able to kind of be effective transition defenders, both getting back. And, and Dallas, it's kind of the inverse of that. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's an interesting point. So one you're going to want to watch for um, on Thursday, because I feel like in previous games, um, players like Alicia Gray and Kayla Thornton have really given Chicago problems, specifically on the offensive glass, because they're they're so active and they're so strong and they're like, they really bring that energy um, on, on the glass. So if Chicago can get that defensive rebound and, you know, not let the, the wings crash a glass, if, if you will, then they should be able to get some, some easier transition buckets. Where do you want to go from here? Do you want to talk about Chicago's weaknesses or Dallas's strengths? Well, I, I had a couple other things that I'd like to see from Chicago from, from their uh, perspective. 
is Dallas is a very bad team defending the pick and roll. They're 12th in defending the roller. And with that being said, like I, I think this would be a good matchup for uh, Ruthie Hebert or maybe Azra Stevens as well. You know, this team does not, Dallas does not really have like a ton of, I mean, they are a good defensive rebounder, but they don't have a ton of like back to the basket posts that are really going to like put a smaller defender right. like Hebert in the goal. So, and you know, their Chicago's starting bigs are, are just not, that type of pick and roll player, right? They're not Ruthie Hebert, you know, pick as, you know, as, as interesting as it is to say, because Hebert is like barely cracking the rotation. Like she's just such a better matchup for that element than, than any of their other bigs. And this is of course, assuming that Stephanie Dolson cannot go because when, when Dolson is in the lineup, she does provide um, that pick and pop game. And, but you're right. You know, with, with Candace Parker and Azrae Stevens, it's just a lot of Dribble handoffs, a lot of motion stuff, like like around the perimeter. So you're right. Hebert does add that pick and roll game, uh, specifically when Vandersloot is of course uh, handling the basketball. And you're right. Dallas doesn't really have a big who can take advantage of Hebert on the other end of the court. So I totally agree. I, I think she would um, be better off getting the minutes in this game as like the fourth big or the third big ahead of Astudu. How are you feeling about Chicago's matchups defensively? Is there anything particular like from like a you know, who you want to see guarding, you know, Alicia Gray or Rike or Satu Sabali. Um, wh- what are you thinking about kind of Dallas's offense going against the sky? Well, I know you asked me this uh, off air and you, you said who the who the uh, the best matchup against Sabali was. And I said Candace Parker. I'm not sure if Azari Stevens can hang with Satu Sabali off the dribble. Maybe in previous years, but I, I think, uh, you know, Z, sometimes it's, it seems like she gets caught out of position. But I do see where you're coming from on that because she does have the length. Um, the, the thing there is, I, I think you can't you can't let Sabali dictate what she wants to do on offense. You got to make her uncomfortable because if you let her catch the ball out there on the perimeter and you're not and you're not set defensively, she can put just about any big in the league on the league in the league on skates. Uh, and that's why I say Candace Parker because she's long and she's disciplined. Whereas I don't think Stevens really has that discipline at the moment. But as far as other matchups are concerned. This is where it's tough because Dallas is a perimeter-oriented team, right? You're going to have Ogunbowale and Mabry taking a lot of shots with Alicia Gray, you know, handling a lot of the load, a lot of the load as well. So, ah, that's a good question, man. I feel like DeShields and Copper are going to need to play more minutes in this matchup compared to other matchups. But on the other hand, DeShields did not play well in, in most of the minutes she got against the Wings in the regular season. Yeah, I think if I'm the sky, one thing I might do when Diamond is on the court is put her on Arike Agumbawale. I, I don't think Diamond is Chicago's best defender on the wing. I think that's Kalea Copper, but I think Dallas's success is, is a little bit more dictated on stopping Alicia Gray, probably, than slowing down Arike Agumbawale. Um, and I think maybe giving that giving Diamond that matchup might even energize and kind of engage Diamond a little bit more. And, you know, Arike obviously has a lot of stature in the league and, and kind of getting that assignment. And, and otherwise, I'm, I'm torn. I'm actually kind of inclined, you know, to put a lesser defender on Arike Gumbawale and kind of bait Arike to maybe try and take over a little bit more and, and kind of get, get the rest of the players, you know, maybe less involved, you know, Sabley and, and Gray. Those are players that I'm just a little bit more, I would be a little bit more worried about. Like if those players have great games, obviously Arike is you know, definitely capable of beating you by herself, but she's also extremely capable of taking them out of the game by herself or, or at least kind of putting them in, in a less than optimal position. Um, so, you know, I, I'm inclined to say like, okay, 
you know, put Allie Quigley on Arike and just have Arike kind of licking her chops to go at Quigley. But you also, you know, Quigley is still going to exert a lot of effort on that end. And you do kind of want to balance her, her energy. So she's still, she is, in my opinion, Chicago's most important offensive player. So to give her that tough of an assignment, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure it's the right thing to do. Would you say this is a Lexi Brown matchup or no? I think so. Unless that would probably be my option over Dana Evans, you know, unless, you know, unless Dallas tries to get some spot minutes for Ty Harris. Uh, Otherwise, you know, I don't really see that much of a place for Dana Evans. You know, I wouldn't necessarily want her guarding Marina Mabry or something like that. Uh, What do you think? How are you feeling about, you know, those two in this one? I wouldn't mind seeing Lexi Brown as the first guard or the first lead guard, if you will, off the bench. Um, I don't know, like like Evans, I, I like her ability to to shoot the three and to you know make things happen offensively, but she just gives up so much size. And in, in a matchup where the other team has big guards and aggressive guards, I think that's just that's just a matchup problem that doesn't need to it doesn't need to be happen. You know? Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a tough matchup. You know, yeah. guarding. I mean, any on any of their guards except for Ty Harris, I think would be a pretty tough one for for Evan. So, uh, you know, you do kind of worry about just like the, the ball handling and, and just kind of making, you know, driving effective offense with Lexi Brown sort of running things on that end. But, you know, maybe it's, it's a lot of Quigley and Copper together with those lineups or Quigley and Parker together with those lineups just to kind of supplement some of that playmaking. Well, Stephen, here's, here's what makes this, these questions difficult to answer. We haven't seen a consistent rotation from Dallas for much of this season. It's been all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I think now we're kind of we're, we're, we have to get to that point at this point, right? We, we, Vicky Johnson, I think, with everybody presumably available, I imagine she'll play at most, you know, nine players. You know, Jefferson, if she's available, Arike, Alicia Gray, Satu Sabali, Bella Allery. I imagine those will be the starting five in this game. You know, Mabry, Thornton, Harrison, those are pretty much locks to come off the bench. I don't think any of the rookies are going to play in a one-game single elimination playoff game. It really seems like Vicky Johnson are, are kind of just, she's using those players in like like situationally or kind of like spot minutes when she really doesn't have any other options. Sabaline Gray missing all that time and uh, she was playing more Awak queer. So I guess it's just, you know, is Harris going to be that ninth player in the rotation or are they just kind of go, going to go with eight? It's so goofy to me when hearing you say that because like, oh, they're just using being used as situational players when they have to. Like they were drafted at number one and number two overall. You're talking about situational players, but I digress. Um, Yeah, so do you think this is a matchup for Allery? Because when I saw this guy, when I saw the Wings play in Chicago, Allery was giving them problems underneath the basket. Maybe it was because their pick and roll communication wasn't very good on defense, but she was getting a lot of wide open looks underneath the basket. And I'm pretty sure... I don't know if you agree with me on this, on this, but I'm pretty sure she's their best interior defensive player. But there just seems to be a lot of games this season where Vicky Johnson will start Allery and then play her like 12 or 13 minutes. What do you think happens here? I mean, what I would like to see happen is just a lot of Sabley at the five um, at the expense maybe of Harrison and Allery and a little bit more Thornton at the four. Uh, and this has been a, a very effective for them. You know, when they do go to Sable at the five, Dallas is very successful. And, you know, I just don't think you worry too much about Steph Dolson or Candace Parker kind of killing you back to basket if Sable is your five and Thornton, a very strong player, um, 
at the four. And, you know, Dallas is 11th in defending post-ups anyway. And their wings and kind of smaller bigs, you know, Satu, Alicia Gray, Thornton, they, they've been better post-up defenders than, you know, Izzy Harrison is, is bad for her size. Charlie Collier is, you know, has not been a, an effective post defender. Bella Allery is below average. Uh, now, obviously, that's against like-sized players probably all across. It's not like Alicia Gray is guarding Candace Parker in the post all that time. But, you know, Parker and Dolson are not really, they're, they're not really an effective post-up options. You know, 30th and 20th percentile, respectively, you know, in the post. And Stevens has been pretty good. She's kind of like their one good option down there. Um, but I think Savley can hang with her just fine. Like Thornton has a really strong base. What do you think? Do you, do you think Chicago's bigs would just kind of kill him there? Um, I could see Parker trying to punch it down to the ball into the post a little bit, but you're right. They just don't really have a post-up heavy offense, even when they're mismatched. This is something we talk about all the time. Chicago is not great at punishing mismatches. So I think Dallas can maybe kind of live with some smaller players or some uh, players that are a little bit more slight in comparison to Chicago's bigs, because that's just not what this guy wanted to do. So I wanted to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago. You, you said, I think that this was maybe something where you were looking for it to be kind of more of a, a diamond to shields game, maybe than some other matchups. Is that kind of, is that going to be at the expense of Allie Quigley? Do you want to maybe see some minutes with diamond at the four? If Dallas goes small, like how are you kind of envisioning that? I wouldn't mind seeing Diamond at the four, honestly. If Steph Dolson can't go, that's a bummer. Um, But this is a matchup in which I think Diamond at the four is not a terrible idea because Dallas can go small as well. If DeShields gets matched up against Thornton, you know, like, I don't really care as a Sky fan if if Thornton is is beating me with with jump shots. You know, that sucks, but that, that, that can happen. But that's fine for me because that means, you know, Dallas is more prolific offensive players are not touching the basketball. So if you can maybe goad the wings into taking less than ideal shots in that respect, I'm okay with that. Plus I think if you have diamond at the four, that can get the pace, the pace of the game in your favor as well. Yeah. And up until that Liberty game last weekend, you know, Kayla Thornton had not been really involved in the offense much at all. And uh, she has not been shooting the three as effectively as, you know, some of her best seasons, she met when you know almost a month really with only hitting one three so it's uh it definitely waxes and wanes for kayla thornton but i think that's something where you know obviously shooting in a one game playoff like you're definitely putting yourself in in a situation where hot shooting can beat you but i I still think you just kind of live with it there so how do the wings have an advantage in this game i think maybe they can still crash the glass pretty well i think they can maybe get to the line pretty well although they don't they're they're 10th in getting to the free throw line and chicago is 10th in terms of putting opponents at the free throw line so you know the the movable object against the stoppable force there i don't know (laughs) uh but you know that that 10th for dallas i think is a little bit more anomalous you know alicia gray is a really effective player you know down from previous seasons but you know before this season she was in the 70th 90th and 85th percentile year over year the last few years in terms of getting to the free throw line so that plus chicago allows a ton of shots at the rim yeah so you know i think that's something in in just a one game where where alicia gray can definitely get something going getting some fouls drawn you know sabley if she's back can definitely put maybe some of dallas's smaller wings in the goal as well or just kind of get get them bit biting on the up and under dallas you know they they take a ton of threes their fourth and three-point attempt rate and shoot 35% as a team. So again, you know, if it's uh, 
we're, we're talking about one game here. They can definitely just kind of shoot you out of the gym. Um, you know, if Mabry gets a going and, and Arike, who, as we all know from uh, the Dallas Wings social media campaign, it leads the league in three-point attempts made. I also hear she's very good at basketball. That's that's what they say. So, which I which I did not doubt. But you're right, Stephen. That's that's a good point. If we like to say, what is what is it? Make or miss league. But that could be influenced by the amount of players on your roster who are actually good at making shots. Um, like if it seems this guy are on a lot of uh, on a lot of bad end or on the bad end of a lot of make or miss games, well, they're not a good shooting team, so that can happen. Um, one thing I like to regarding free throw shooting that you know when when a team plays each other three times in the regular season, I like to compare how games are officiated. It's true that the Wings have not been a very prolific free throw shooting team. You know, they shot uh, 16 free throws on June 30th. They shot 15 free throws on August 17th. But boom, they shoot 26 free throws on July 2nd. So you're right. It's not like it can't happen. They do have players who can force the issue a lot. Like, we know that even though Arike Gunbuwale likes to bomb away from three, she can also get to the rim pretty darn easily, especially against lesser perimeter defenders like Quigley and Vandersloot. Um, you know, and I think Alicia Gray, as you said, can also get to the free throw line. Mabry, she does like to seek fouls. She does like to draw fouls. So that's in her repertoire. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Wings, you know, outshoot this guy significantly from the free throw line as well. Yeah, that seems like a, you know, despite Dallas's struggles there all season long, uh, I, I think that is not out of the realm of possibilities at all. Uh, one thing I want to ask you is, you know, from a Dallas perspective, I have no idea what to do with Arike defensively in this game. Like all of these wings for Chicago are pretty canny off-ball players offensively, you know, in different ways, whether it's, um, you know, Quigley kind of as a screener and relocating or Copper into Shields going back door and, and just kind of catching sleeping defenders. What are you doing with Arike in terms of the defensive side of the ball? I think I just put her at the point of attack because that way, you know, that's... I think Enrique is a pretty poor off-ball defender, and then you don't you don't expect her you know to be expending a lot of energy chasing Ellie Quigley around screens, or trying to hang with the Shields and Copper with their athleticism and their size because she's she's giving up a few inches in those matchups. So honestly, I think you just put her at the at the position in which she can do the least amount of harm. Gosh, it sounds really I I, I don't want to be a hater or anything, but that makes sense, right? You know, if you just put her on Vandersloot. You know Vandersloot's probably not going to look to attack off the bounce that often. And one of the things we've been critical of Vandersloot this season is she hasn't really been looking for her own shot that often offensively either. So I think if you just put Arike on the ball on Vandersloot, or even better, on Dana Evans or Lexi Brown, then you're not really relying on her to stay engaged defensively as much. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly kind of what I had in mind as well. And, you know, maybe it's the same thing that I was saying with Diamond to Shields earlier, putting her on the point of attack and just trying to get her energized and engaged on that end. And, you know, I just think Mariah Jefferson as the one kind of chasing Allie Quigley around off screens is, is just a much better fit and, and is going to be, you know, more kind of dedicated to, to doing that assignment. Or Mabry. Yeah. Because or, Mabry's or a really sure. physical player. And that's one thing Quigley can struggle with is, is physical defense. You know, someone really... Uh, what, what do they call it? Lock and trail, or, or, some, or her getting up in her grill. Uh, Mabry's not going to back down from any matchup, and I think that's that's the one matchup that the Wings might have. Or Alicia Gray, because Alicia Gray is a really physical defender, and she's a really fundamentally sound defender as well. So they've, the Wings have a couple options there for Quigley, um, but I don't think Arike is one of them. So going back to kind of what you were saying about Kayla Thornton and, you know, just kind of making her an offensive player, if there are any minutes where Thornton and Allery are are 
playing together, you know, they're, they're sharing the floor. Like I would want kind of like assuming, you know, full health for Chicago, I would want maybe Dolson on Allery, who in my opinion is not really that big of a pick and roll threat. You know, if there's, I think the surprising thing about Allery's career is just how, how little of an offensive threat she's been so far and uh, how, you know, good she's adjusted offensively. But I I don't think Allery is that, you know, she's not going to kind of kill Dolson, Dolson playing in space and for Parker to maybe play a little bit more kind of center field again forcing Kayla Thornton to be the one to beat you with the jump shot um and we've seen how effective Parker can be when she's you know just kind of not guarding her assignment and and rather just kind of stationed in the paint playing help defense just roaming yeah I agree regarding Allery that is I definitely agree with that it's it's been surprising to me that she hasn't really been utilized that much offensively but I think that's a schematic thing I don't think that's aggression on her part I think that's just Dallas wanting the ball in the hands of their of their guards and their wings and no pun intended uh so Allery I think she's the player who how many threes has she even made this year she is wait is that right she's 0 for 2 from 3 this season okay 0 for 2 for 3 yeah um down that's from, very interesting down from 1 for 13 last year <laughs> or I up thought, I thought I had seen her hit one but maybe yeah I'm me too but 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 that that speaks to my point you know um they're not they're not looking to run plays for her. She's not going to be a play finisher, really. So, at least beyond the three-point line. So, yeah. Dolson, I think that's a player you can, quote-unquote, hide on. That That's that's your point, right? Yeah, exactly. And let Parker kind of be the more... I think she's just a okay. more effective help defender than Steph Dolson is as well. So, um, But to that same end, like I'm not sure I want the Dolson-Parker pairing on the floor together in minutes where Satu Sabali and Izzy Harrison are sharing the floor for Dallas. Like, I think that's, it just puts Chicago at a little bit too much of an athleticism disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satu, that's, that's one thing about her. She will force mismatches in, in her team's favor. And I, like I said, I don't know if there's a player on Chicago. I, I'd love to be proven wrong by Stevens, but I don't know if there's a player on Chicago besides Parker who can really hang with Satu or at least match what Satu can, can bring to the floor for Dallas. So as a Sky fan, I'm, I'm a little scared about that. Because I think she, we've seen Sabley's game grow as, as the years progress. You have a couple stats on her her shot selection, right? Yeah, I was just really impressed, and you know, just kind of the overall growth of her game. Uh, and the the shot diet is definitely part of that. She's taking a third of her shots from three and a third of her shots in the restricted area, so that's that's pretty good. And she's, I mean, she's not a great finisher, but I feel like she is her finishing is so much more, I guess, uh, versatile than it was last season um, when I felt like kind of everything that she was sort of getting around the rim was just kind of an up and under step through. And, you know, now she can really kind of use her explosiveness to just finish in stride over size, you know, whether that's kind of off the bounce, uh, attacking a closeout. I think she's she's already, I think, one of the best in the league attacking a closeout. Yeah, you agree. know, her overall just kind of face-up game um, from the mid post has come a long way since last year. You know, now she can just kind of score on her defender off the bounce, going either direction, especially if it's a slower player, which, you know, against Satu Sabli, I think most players are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, she can, she's the player in, in this entire game that I think can really just cause their individual matchup the most problem, I would say, more so than really anyone else on Dallas or Chicago. Okay, so you, you wouldn't be surprised if Satu Sabli is the best player on the floor in this game. No, I, I wouldn't, or at least the biggest difference maker, you know, if not the best player. But even to say the best player, like, you know, I think that that might come down to how much of an impact she has defensively. But 
I mean, who who are some other candidates to maybe kind of just be the most impactful player in this one game playoff? I mean, I think you got to start with the Dallas backcourt for obvious reasons. They can be the most impactful for their team, and they can also be the most impactful for the other team as well. Uh, both Ogunbowale and Mabry are are good to drop twenty five at any given time, and they're also good to go like one for eight in Mabry's case, or two for seventeen. Which, in, which in she has, I think, a couple times in this. Yeah, is it, well, yeah, see, exactly. So I'm not just pulling that out of thin air, but um. Yeah, so I mean that's that's where the game will start and end, in my opinion. Like if 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 both the wings guards have a hot shooting game, it's gonna be tough for this guy to overcome. But if they are, you know, bogging down the offense, if 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 the plays aren't running smoothly, if the game is is is, is mucked up enough by Chicago to where, you know, they're they're not getting good looks and they're kind of forcing things, then I think this guy will be in good shape. On the other hand, you know, I think Ali Quigley is a player for Chicago who can make or break a game with her shooting because if she's not shooting the basketball well or conversely if she's being played off the floor you know by on defense then that could cause issues for chicago you know but we've seen ali quigley shoot what 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 was he like six of eight from three or five of eight five or eight from three in that one game against dallas granted this guy didn't win that game but with her shooting she can she can make or break a game for this guy as well yeah i think I mean, obviously, you know, if Quigley just doesn't have it going, then Chicago probably doesn't have a chance. But the other player I would look at, too, is Kalea Copper. She was pretty effective in all three games. You know, the one thing is maybe she just kind of lacked a little bit of aggression in, in kind of the second uh, of the, the two losses, I think, or the second two of the three, maybe. But, you know, just from like a field goal person, like I don't think they, they have a ton of great options. You know, I think Alicia Gray is a quality defender, but not you know, Copper is just so explosive. It's a, it's a really tough matchup, especially if she can, you know, hit one or two early from deep and, you know, make that an even more respectable option to kind of open up the drive game a little bit more as well. That's true. I think Copper's a player who she's grown into a player where you can only hold her down for so long, or you can make life difficult on her, but she is going to get like one or two transition buckets or hit one or two difficult shots in the lane, just because her physical advantages just give her that, you know? Anything else worth hitting on in this game? Uh, I mean, I feel like we haven't uh, discussed Candace Parker a ton, but, you know, I just, there just haven't really been that many instances this season, you know, outside of a game that we did a couple weeks ago where Candace Parker was just the best player on the court. I mean, I could very easily see her being the best player on the court in this game. And, and honestly, as a Sky fan, I expect her to be the best, but like, that's, that's not an unreasonable expectation. Like, that's why this guy got Candace Parker, like you, you to win these games. Yeah, and it's, I think, a, a plenty good matchup for it. You know, they don't have, on paper at least, a, a ton of options to be able to kind of hang with Candace Parker. Yeah, I don't see any one player on this team who can guard Candace Parker, um, particularly in the post. Like I said, she hasn't really posted up very often or been very effective at it, but I think this is a matchup in which she can take advantage of either smaller or slower or less experienced defenders because she's going to have an advantage, some sort of advantage about against just about anybody, uh, anybody on this Wings team, you know? I guess the, the the one other thing I wanted to hit on was just, you know, I mentioned that Ruthie, this is a pretty good matchup for her. I would like to see her over a stew in this, you know, in this particular matchup, a stew has not been effective against her former team. And along with the, the pick and roll numbers, which we talked about, like Ruthie is just a little bit more effective, you know, they're a stew and Ruthie are, are pretty close together in terms of just like their offensive rebound percentage. But the difference is that Ruthie is just, a real threat to finish those offensive rebounds like uh on 
you know, on putbacks and stuff like that, she's in the hundredth percentile in scoring off offensive rebounds, you know, from an efficiency standpoint and her volume is just much higher than a stew as well. So this is a team where you don't, you don't want to focus too much on offensive rebounding for sure. Uh, you know, cause Dallas is a really great, you know, they're, they're a threat in transition to be sure top four in both frequency and, and efficiency in the transition game offensively. But, you know, again, if you're just kind of dedicating that, that one player to, to take that task, uh, just one more area that I think Ruthie's a little bit of a better matchup there. Yeah, no qualms with that. Um, I'm pretty much all set with this matchup. It, it's it's kind of awkward doing just one game because uh, we're used to doing several games and, and deeper analysis on this. But uh, just to summarize, you know, uh, this is a true 6-7 matchup. And it's interesting, if you go to the WNBA.com stats and the net rating, net rating has actually done a pretty good job of like predicting the actual standings. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think that's because it's a really good way to measure how good teams are. Especially over the course of a season. You know, you can have some noise and some small sample size early as we hit on with the wings, you know, early in the season, but they've kind of come back down to earth. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, not just because it's probably going to be the last game I see in person this year, but I think it is a good matchup, and I think it, it could be decided in a bunch of different ways. Um, it's going to be on Thursday. We don't know the time yet. Hopefully by the time this episode drops, we will know the time, but understandably so you know we don't know what the other two teams are going to be yet or we don't know who the ac is going to be yet so we got to get the networks locked in and all that stuff so but it will be on thursday so looking forward to it yeah should be a fun one and we'll be back later this week for part two once we know who that uh who that eighth team will be the WNBA declined my uh, petition to just not have an eighth team this year (laughs) maybe next year Um, But thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate it as always. You can follow us on social media at DoubledownWNBA or our personal accounts at NemchokE and at Trinkwald. And we'll talk to you later this week. All right. Take care, everybody.